0: Brush up your Shakespeare, start quoting him now. Brush up your Shakespeare, and no women, you will wow. Just to claim a few Hello, Shannon Riley here, inviting you to join me every Sunday here on KSEF as I talk Shakespeare on Shannon Shakespeare Sunday, every Sunday at 8 and 8. Archived here at Kansas 785 Live, as well as on my own website, shannonjriley.com. Join me and let's talk a little bit about the bar on KSEF every Sunday, 8 to 8. Greetings. Hello, everybody. Shannon Riley here once again with Shannon's Shakespeare Shunday. It's a pleasure to have you all listening in. Thank you for coming back. I hope you had a good time with episode one. It is my pleasure to bring you today episode two entitled My Little Willie. Now, Before I begin, there's a couple of things I need to take care of. First of all, once again, my name is Shannon Riley. I am a Shakespeare enthusiast or fanatic. I don't consider myself a scholar. I don't want to be considered a scholar. I just simply am somebody who really loves the work of the Bard of Avon, and I like talking about it a great deal with people. So I'm going to be spending the next... A uh, half hour with you and sharing with you some of my thoughts and musings about Shakespeare. And the title of this episode, My Little Willie, has to do with the childhood and early beginnings of the greatest author in the Western world. So, before I get to that, there's something I really need to do. And that, that I, I should have known that eventually this is going to come. I just didn't think it would happen on the second episode. And that is, I need to issue an apology. You see, Last week, I had a great trivia question, and I promised, I teased, at the end of the episode, I would give you the answer to that trivia question... And I forgot, because I'm a moron. So I'm really sorry about that. So I'm going to give you the answer today. And first of all, let me once again pose what the question was. Shakespeare himself was a very prominent writer and very successful in the English-speaking world. But he had a contemporary in the Spanish-speaking world who was very popular there. His name was Miguel Cervantes, who wrote, of course, the great stories of... Don Quixote. Now, Miguel and Shakespeare were contemporaries. They probably never met, but they were aware of each other's work. Certainly, Shakespeare himself had written a play based on some of the stories of Miguel Cervantes. It was a tragedy called The Tragedy of Cardinio. That play is missing. It's disappeared. Nobody knows where it is, and one day, I hope, it will be found on some dusty shelf somewhere. But anyway, Cervantes and Shakespeare had something else in common. They both died on the exact same Date, April twenty third, sixteen sixteen. However, they died ten days apart. So how is it possible that they died ten days apart but died on the same date? That was the trivia question from last week that I never answered. So today I will give you that answer. The reason why they died on exactly the same date is that well, you could blame it on the Pope. <laughs> the Catholic Church, under Pope Gregory, had issued an edict establishing the Gregorian calendar. That's the calendar we use today. It fixed the problems with the Julian calendar, with floating holidays, too many weeks in one month, and too few in another. Uh, It straightened out the calendar and became the modern calendar that everyone uses. But... The Pope Gregory made that decree in 1582. Now, well, London at the time was a Protestant country, and along with a lot of other Protestant countries, or even um, Eastern Orthodox countries, they refused to adopt this papist decree. And so, of course, the idea of a changing the calendar just wouldn't work in England. So, Cervantes did die on. Uh, April 23rd, 1616 In Spain, under the Gregorian calendar Shakespeare died 10 days later On April uh, 23rd, 1616 So that's why they had two dates separated by 10 days You had to wait a whole week for that, and I apologize (laughs) that I forgot to do that. Uh, But I do think it's quite an interesting thing, so I I, I always like uh, little tributes like that. Hey, let's go to today's Shakespeare quote. It comes from Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 5. Give... Every man their ear, but few thy voice. I love that. It means basically listen. In this time when we're facing a very hot political career ahead of us, a political election season, give everybody your ear. Listen, but give very few your voice. Please vote, and make sure you vote responsibly. The book I wanted to share today uh, Every every episode I'm going to mention a book that I think everybody should get For their Shakespearean library This particular book is called In Search of Shakespeare by Michael Wood It is a great book Now it's kind of old, it first was published in 2003 It also has a companion DVD from the BBC It's a two DVD set that goes through his book And uh, really follows the life of William Shakespeare What we know what we don't know, and how he ended up in London and what happened to him once he got there. It is really a very easy to read, great book. uh, uh, It accompanies the uh, BBC series. If you can find the DVDs as well, I have them. You can't have mine. Uh, But it's really, really, really fascinating. And there's some great little stuff in there. However... For me, anyway, and this is just Shannon talking, I think some of uh, Michael Wood's uh, book is weighing very heavily on the Catholic question. And by that, I mean the old religion, Catholicism, uh, was changed into Protestantism, changed uh, as um, uh, the state religion of England Then Protestantism was replaced with Catholicism again And then replaced again with Protestantism So the switch back and forth between these two faiths Really put the people of England in kind of a dire spot uh, In 15 years, as a matter of fact, it changed four times So for the English people, you never knew what the religion might be of the time or what it might mean to you. And he spends an awful lot of time on that in the book. I think it's it's interesting. Uh, I'm not quite as delved uh, deep into the story of whether or not Shakespeare was a hidden Catholic, but I am going to talk a little bit about that today as we go uh, through my little Willie. Um, but before I do, I, I also want to give you a fun Shakespeare fact for the day, and this time it will not be a trivia that you got to wait to the end to hear. Um, that was a really bizarre Elizabethan practice as a kind of a a superstition that they would do. Uh, When a baby was born, uh, and this didn't happen with everybody, but certainly with the boys it may have, uh, the the parents, the father, relatives would catch a rabbit. And then they would uh, take the brain out of that rabbit and mush it up into a fine little paste, and then they would put a spoonful of that paste into the newborn's mouth and make them swallow it. It was believed that by doing this, they were giving their children a quick wit, a quick mind, an ability to think fast on their feet, all given to them by this brain of a bunny. <laughs> well, that's where the term, a hare-brained idea, comes from. I love word origins and and phrase origins. And since Shakespeare himself came up with so many different phrases that we use today and words we use today, I love it even more. But this idea of putting a little scoop of bunny brain into a baby's mouth and led to the term a harebrained idea is, I think, very fascinating. Of course, it was originally meant to mean that was a great idea and became sarcastic and that was a stupid idea. But nevertheless, a harebrained idea comes from that particular fun Shakespeare fact. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about about today is uh, as I go through all of this uh, and Shakespeare's life, there's an awful lot that we just do not know. About William Shakespeare um, It's been written as a matter of fact That nothing, ha- no one has had more things written about When they know so little about Than William Shakespeare And that's true But at the same time We know an awful lot And we can find an awful lot And extrapolate an awful lot But it's that extrapolation That to- sometimes leads to Very sincere questions about the bard What he knew, what he was doing Why he was doing it So as I go through today and talk about my little willy and his childhood i'm going to be extracting an awful lot but i always am going to encourage you to look it up for yourself find things that you believe that might be true and share them with me i want to hear from you by the way let me know what you think of the show let me know what you think of the different thoughts i have or give me a show idea or, uh, suggestion. I'd love to hear them. You can reach me at Shannon at ShannonJRiley.com. Riley is R-E-I-L-L-Y. It's Shannon at ShannonJRiley.com. That's my website. You'll also find, um, Shakespeare Sundays, uh, will be, uh, hosted there as well as you're also going to find my plays, my short films, things of that, uh, that might interest you. So, Poke around, look at it, and also drop me an email and let me know what you'd like me to tackle next or what thoughts you have about the program. Uh, I really, really would love to hear from you. The other thing I want to do in this intro, though, before I get into my little Willie, is I want to talk about something that's really exciting in the Topeka area. Now... For those of you who are listening from all over, because we are broadcasting all over, uh, out in the great interwebs, uh, this broadcast is coming to you from Topeka, a small little room in the uh, manager's house, as a matter of fact, uh, in Topeka, Kansas. I love Topeka. I've lived in Topeka for many, many years now. I've been here nearly 30 years, and I really do love the city. I love the people who are here. I love Kansas. Um, But there's something really exciting that I want to talk about that's happening in Topeka, even during this time of COVID. That is, there's a brand new company that I've been working with. It's called Lady Shakes. And Lady Shakes is a group of very talented actors, all female, who are working with me now on an all-female production of A Midsummer's Night Dream. Now, we started doing this about a year, a year and a half ago, when I got together with uh, some of my female acting friends and said, hey, you know, let's do a show together where we just you get a chance to perform the roles that a lot of women can't because so much of Shakespeare is male. So we did Twelfth Night with an all-female cast. It was absolutely a delight. We did it as a fundraiser for the Jayhawk Theater, which is a former vaudeville theater here in town that we were trying to save and, and renovate. And so we did it as a benefit for the Jayhawk Theater. But it was such a wonderful trip and so exciting to see not only how these wonderful female actors were addressing these roles in a whole new way, bringing a whole new life to it, and also their fascinating take on the characters that they were playing. I had the pleasure of directing the show. Uh, I was the only man involved in the show on any level, uh, and it was just Really wonderful, really fantastic. So Lady Shakes, it wasn't Lady Shakes at the time, but Lady Shakes was our idea to reform that group to start doing theater for... Topeka area uh, and beyond, but mainly doing the classics, doing Shakespeare, doing Greek, doing um, uh, fascinating stories that we don't normally get to see, but doing them with an all-female or predominantly female cast, a cast that doesn't worry about gender beliefs, doesn't focus in on social, economical background, completely blind cast, people of all faiths, religions, backgrounds, races, just as long as we're all sharing the same thing, a desire to do Great theater that is classic based. So Lady Shakes and I have been working together um, in this last couple of weeks uh, during COVID. It's hard. We meet outside. We keep our distance. We're performing. Uh, we're rehearsing, I should say, uh, on a basketball court right now in one of the ladies' backyard, uh, which would just it's perfect for us. And we're having a great time and we plan to just do some really great experiences. Experiences and performances in and around the Topeka area with an all-female cast. Uh, You're going to hear more about Lady Shakes on this uh, broadcast as we go forward and I'm I'm really excited to be involved with these wonderful, talented people. I hope they keep me around for a while but in the meantime, watch very closely in the Topeka area for our production of A Midsummer's Night Dream with an all-female cast coming to a park near you somewhere in Topeka, I hope very soon. We're kind of waiting on COVID right now when the numbers are up and it's kind of scary it's kind of hard to consider getting together to rehearse let alone asking an audience to join us so we're going to be continue to be careful and um, uh, continue to rehearse so that when numbers do get to be a good place we find a good venue we can jump up and do a show in a moment's notice lady shakes performing here in the Topeka area I'm excited about it. So uh, we're going to start talking a little bit about Shakespeare and his childhood. But I'm going to take a short break for some station identification and say hello to some great people who are funding our program. So we're going to take a short break. And when I come back, you're going to hear all about my little Willie. Welcome back! Hey, thanks for staying with us on this Shannon's Shakespeare Sunday. Every Sunday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Catch these uh, wonderful episodes. We hope you all check them out. They'll also be living here at 755, as well as on my own website, Shannon at ShannonJRiley.com. dot com. That's Riley R E I L L Y, uh, Shannon J Riley.com. Dot com. You can also leave messages for me there. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, give me any suggestions for upcoming events or how Shakespeare is in your life. Let's keep uh, Shakespeare in all our lives. We want to be barred to the bone. Today, our episode is focused on Little Willie, the birth of William Shakespeare and his early childhood. Um, And you're going to have to forgive me because my my inner nerd is going to start really popping out like you didn't know I was a nerd already with a series about Shakespeare. But... What's going to happen now is I'm going to give you some background story that I find really fascinating. It's also the kind of stuff that makes my wife nod off while she's driving. Uh, but I'm really excited to share this with you nevertheless, and I hope you find it interesting too. But to tell the story of William Shakespeare in his childhood, I want to go back even a little bit further so you can understand his parents. Because I think the motivation of the parents is incredibly important in Shakespeare's formation, and particularly his father, which plays Very heavily, not only in his life, but in all of his works. Shakespeare is a very male-oriented body of work. But you can't really blame the guy for that. It it was a male-dominated world. And trying to learn what we can about the people who were around at that time, it tends to be male-centric. Everything tends to be male-centric. We know very little about the men, but we know far less about the women. But when it comes to Shakespeare, he has excited people and enticed uh, introspection for over 400 years. If there's a scintilla of information that exists out there in the world about Shakespeare, people find it, dissect it, repeat it, and go on and on and on. I really do believe this is why so many silly controversies come up about whether or not Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. I think people are so desperate for further information that the only thing that's fun to write anymore is... (laughs) This ridiculous notion that he didn't write the greatest works ever written. I don't share this opinion. I am a Stradvarian hard and fast. And if you are not, that's certainly okay. I don't need to talk to you about it. I'm sick of it. To me, Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. And I will give, over the course of these um, wonderful programs, reasons why I feel that way. But I'm going to start, first of all, with Shakespeare's father, John Shakespeare. John Shakespeare was born um, in the 1530s. He lived all the way to 1601. He lived a very long life, considering how old, uh, how what life spans were at that time. Um, but he's a fascinating story in and of himself. John Shakespeare. He was the son of Richard Shakespeare, who was a tenant farmer, who oddly enough was a tenant farmer to a family by the name of Arden which will play up a little bit later. But John wanted more out of his life than just being a tenant farmer. He became a glover or a worker in leather goods. Now, he moved himself to Stratford-on-Avon from the countryside, uh, which at the time was a pretty big house. It was believed around that time the Stratford population would have been about 1,500 people. But they still only lived in about 200 houses. Think of that, how cramped that must have been. But really, this is how people lived. People would marry, move into their parents' house, live there in their parents' house until their parents died, and then they'd have children, and so on and so on and so on. Houses held very tight families. They were very small rooms because they were hard to heat, and so everybody kind of lived on top of each other. Shakespeare moves to Stratford, buys a house on Henley House, uh, Henley Street. I'm sorry, and. Becomes a glove maker. Now, you would think today we go glove maker, big deal. Why would anybody want to be a glo- make gloves? Well, gloves were an essential um, um, uh, fashion statement. If you were anybody, you wore gloves and a hat. You look good in gloves and a hat. Elizabethan gloves were incredibly ornate. They didn't just stop at the wrist. Some had folds that went all the way down the forearm with lace and patterns and uh, very carefully cut and punched out uh, decals of leather. So it was a very expensive art. Even in this small town of Stratford-on-Avon, which is well outside of any um, uh, London traffic, John was able to make a pretty good living for a while as a lovemaker. maker. <laughs> Glove maker. I'm sure he was a lovemaker, too, but that's a different story. So as a glovemaker, he also uh, started to uh, become a gentleman within the town. He raised his position very quickly. He became an alderman. He became a bailiff. He had one of my favorite jobs in the world, and that was an ale taster. Everybody brewed their own brew back in uh, Elizabethan period. Beer was like a commodity. You sold it. Uh, you used it to trade. One of the jobs of a housewife was to make the family beer. One oh, what a time. So as he was an uh, ale taster, he had to go around and taste all the ale that was being used and sold and used as um, um, uh, trade among uh, various people to make sure that it fit with the standard of the time. He grew in popularity to the point where he eventually became mayor. Now, the reason why I bring all of this up is because John, his desire to become a better person than who he was when he was born or the life he was born into, could have been influenced by the woman he eventually married, Mary Arden. Mary Arden was the daughter of a very prominent farmer. He was a member of the gentry. And the Ardens had a large family, eight Girls. She was the youngest, and in her father's will, she was left tracts of land. Uh, Richard uh, Shakespeare was a tenant farmer for the Ardens, and so John Shakespeare would have spent his entire life knowing Mary Arden. They would have grown up together. They would have seen each other a great deal. Was this a love affair that built over years and years and years? Was John's desire to better himself, to create a bigger world for himself, predicated on the idea that someday Mary would marry him? I think so. I think it drove him to make himself a better person, just so he could provide for Mary a lifestyle that she was used to, being a member of the gentry. So... Eventually, he does meet her, uh, marry her, I'm sorry. Um, they, uh, in 1552, uh, Shakespeare has bought not only a house on Henley Street, but a house next door. He's cobbled them together and made a larger house. He goes on to buy a third house, cobble that on. By 1556, he's that ale taster, and they married somewhere around 1557, Mary Arden, is very little known about her. But one thing we can probably count on was that she was not educated when we're not taught to read or write. Now, here comes a moment of that extrapolation that I mentioned earlier. Many people believe that John Shakespeare himself was illiterate. It's true he did use a mark to sign papers at least on the papers we have left. But there's very few left. How do we know he couldn't write or read? If he was a glove maker, he would have had to have known rudimentary math just in measurements, and if he knew math, would he need not have learned to read it somewhere along the line? some authors believe John might have been a uh, li- literate some believe he was illiterate I believe the only person who could have raised William Shakespeare to be William Shakespeare was a literate man a man who valued education and would have f- put his son through uh, a school system to learn so I really do believe he did um, now uh, John and and um, Mary Mary marries him at the age of 20, which is not terribly old, is not terribly young. She, um, women, very often, young women would be married at the age of 13, 14, 15. But she was 20 by the time they married, and uh, they immediately started having children. The first child born to them was a girl, Joan. She was born in 1558, and unfortunately, like a lot of children of the period, She died in infancy Um, This is something that Always strikes me too that This idea that uh, so many Children died in infancy But Joan died in infancy at 1558 Uh, She was followed behind By another daughter, Margaret Who was born in 1562 But died the following year in 1563 Right away The Shakespeare's lose their first Two children This had to be devastating This had to be very, very hard on them Um, Some of the authors that I've read have said, oh, well, you know, you get used to it after a while. So many children did die. I don't believe that at all. You never get over losing a child. So when William was born in 1564, there must have been grave concern for his success, particularly since at the same time when they registered his birth, or baptism, I should say. That's another thing. They never kept track of when people were born. That's why we don't know for sure when William Shakespeare was born. We think it was around... April 23rd, Uh, probably, we love to say it was April 23rd because he also died on April 23rd, which also happens to be the feast day of St. George. But we don't know for sure, it's likely that he was born on April 23rd. They only kept track of baptismal records and he was baptized three days later. You rushed your child to baptism at this time. The belief that the child could die very soon meant you had to get him baptized as fast as you possibly could. So he was baptized uh, three days after his birth, uh, but the standard was to do it three days or at the first Sunday after birth or at the first holy day. So that would have been um, uh, April 26th was the first Sunday. So uh, that plants William Bean... Uh, uh, Oh, the other thing that's really fascinating is when William was born the uh, and his uh, baptism is registered in the church directory, they also mentioned here is where the plague begins, meaning plague was starting to break out in Stratford. Plague was always a thing. We're, we're so sick of plague right now, aren't we? But plague was always a thing in Elizabethan times. Theaters were always shutting down. I find it very funny when people say Shakespeare wrote Lear during a plague. He wrote all of his plays during a plague. He couldn't help but write it during a plague. There were plagues all the time. So um, Shakespeare, uh, uh, but at this time, a plague had started to appear in Stratford-on-Avon, which would have made these parents who had already lost two children incredibly nervous. Now, Shakespeare does, of course, live to adulthood, and is followed by a younger brother, Gilbert, who's born in 1566. Gilbert. Gilbert? Is that a name you would think of as an Elizabethan child? Gilbert? I find that very fascinating. Gilbert. Uh, did they call him Gilly? Was it Willie and Gilly, loose on the town? Lock up your daughters, here comes Willie and Gilly. this It's just a funny, funny name to me. But... If you think about it, he was only two years younger than William. And like myself, I have a little sister who's just two years younger than me. My children themselves are only separated by two years. You grow up with playmates. You grow up with partners. William and Gilbert must have been very close. And Gilbert himself also does live to adulthood, though he never marries and never has children. And he dies in 1612 before William Shakespeare. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Now, Gilbert is followed by Joan. Now, I know he already said Joan, but they used the name again. That I also find weird. Apparently, Elizabethans would do that. If a child died and they had another child, they'd use the name of the child that died so they can go on. I have no idea. That sounds creepy to me. Sounds very weird to me. But indeed, Joan Shakespeare followed Gilbert. Joan is the only one of Shakespeare's siblings to outlive him. She lives until 1646. And a matter of fact, if there's any Shakespearean blood left, it probably came from Joan's line, which I'll talk about in another episode. But Gilbert and Joan were then followed by another girl. Her name was Anne. She was born in 1571. And Anne, unfortunately, also died as a child, but not until 1579. So she had eight as an eight year old. She passed away. Um. She's followed by another boy, Richard, 1574. He lives to 1613, also dying before Shakespeare. Very little is known about Richard. Uh, He could have been a farmer, probably a tenant farmer, followed after his grandfather's um, uh, wishes. But we don't know much about Richard. But the more fascinating sibling of Shakespeare's is the last one, the eighth child. His name was Edmund, born in 1580. And this is what is so neat about Edmund. Edmund was a child when Shakespeare left to go to London. And then one day, as a young adult, he shows up on Shakespeare's doorstep in London, pronouncing himself an actor and wanting to work in Shakespeare's theater. What happened then? Did Shakespeare welcome him with open arms or did he say, Eddie, go home? Edmund would have had very little education less than William Shakespeare and so to find him on the doorstep would have been very shocking and almost uh, debilitating to Shakespeare I would think now the reason why I bring that up is I'm also a playwright and right now I'm working on a play called The Brothers Shakespeare where I want to see and try and figure out what happened when Edmund showed up in London. The fascinating thing about Edmund is not only did he come into work as an actor, he obviously did not find work with William Shakespeare's company. Instead, he worked with lesser companies around the um, uh, London area. Is it because Shakespeare didn't want him, or is it because he wanted to, Cut his own way through, we don't know, but we do know that he met a woman and they had a child together, and all three of them died during a plague in sixteen o seven Shakespeare himself pays for the funerals he also pays for the funerals to be done in the morning, so that none of the actor friends on either company that might have worked with Edmund would be allowed uh, would miss the funeral because performances, funerals are usually in the afternoon, as were theater productions. So he paid extra to have the funeral in the morning so all of the actors could attend. It's a fascinating story. I hope I can write a good play about it. But that's what I'm working on myself on uh, my downtime. Um, And I really am excited about it. So this is the early child of William, uh, um, my little Willie. I'm going to leave it there. And in episode three, we're going to go back and talk about the schooling and the education that many people think Shakespeare did or did not have. I have my own thoughts. As always, I want to hear from you. Remember, you can reach me at Shannon at Shannon, uh, ShannonJRiley.com. Uh, Riley is R-E-I-L-L-Y. I'd love to hear from you. Shannon at com. Thank you for listening in on Shannon's Shakespeare Sundays. I look forward to talking to you again in the very near future and I'll see you in episode 3 as we look at the early days of little Shakespeare. Goodbye. <laughs>